How's it going, guys? My name is Will Holdren. I'm the host of the Real Power Podcast, and today our special guest is Troy Rice. Uh, Mr. Rice is a keynote speaker, and he is also the CEO of Farm Bridge. So, Mr. Rice, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks for having me, Will. I love these conversations. Awesome. It's my pleasure to have you on. So, to start off, I have to ask my guests all the same question. Um, so, what motivates you to get out of bed every day to do what you do? I think it comes from a passion to have a better life for our kids. And so everything that I've created and we'll dive into each one um, comes from passion and education and agriculture. And both of them, I want to make sure that my kids lead every day with a growth mindset and are feeding their bodies with the right foods. Awesome. And how did you come to find your passion in life? Stumbling. <laughs> Stumbling. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, at some point, I feel like this happens a lot to students in, in grade school is uh, you start to develop a certain skill because of practice and then somebody tells you that you're good at something. And back when I was a kid, kid, people told me I was good at math. And so naturally, I ended up going to a university initially for communications, which is what I do primarily now, and abandoned that and went and got a degree in finance because somebody told me I was good at math. And so basically spending my entire life uh, living the life of, of other people and confirming what other people believe in myself. And it wasn't until about a year and a half ago when I finally hit rock bottom. So I had spent 10 years in the corporate industry in a finance and accounting capacity, also as a lean greenbelt coach and developing strategy programs. I had some success, but I would still come home just unfulfilled and depressed and not really enjoying what I'm doing. And finally, I Finally, just hit a breaking point, um, held myself to, and I think this is what I, I try to teach young kids is like, give time to yourself. And when I finally gave time to myself is when I actually wrote down two things that I care about in life. One, uh, food, health and agriculture and farming and two, education. And so I basically just started meditating, doing gratitude practices. I picked up a habit of hot yoga, uh, which has been awesome and life changing for me. And then I uh, just started designing my own life. I started writing what, what it would look like to do those two things the rest of my life and started meeting with people in the community, learning about farming and agriculture and how we could help out with either technology or just helping farmers run better businesses. And then taking what I had learned in uh, leading with a growth mindset and going into schools and helping get kids there early on so they can avoid the, uh, you know, 10 plus years where I stumbled in trying to figure out where I wanted to be. And so basically I, I try and influence kids to kind of do what you're doing here. Well, which is you can start living your journey wherever you want to be at, at whatever age you choose. And so I start to get them to start thinking about what life looks like doing the things they love. Yeah. And I love what you said, because you said you had a degree in finance and then you completely switched lanes in your life. And then you went into the farming industry. And now you have your own company called FarmBridge. And like you said, like you, you figured that out because you spent some alone time with yourself and you're able to comprehend, okay, what do I actually want to do in this life instead of what does other people want me to do in my life? Because this is really your life and you only have one life, so you should live it the way you want to. And so your company, FarmBridge, what, is, what does FarmBridge actually do? Yeah, so we started off 
uh, and the cool thing was, is just like any other visionary, I took a whiteboard, started designing uh, what it would look like to help out with local food sustainability, most importantly in Michigan, because that's where I reside. But we started to design um, what it would look like to build a online shopping model for farmers markets. And so we started meeting with farmers. I spent the better half of the last two years uh, driving out to farms, sitting at their kitchen tables and just listening and asking them what works well, what doesn't work well, what could we help with? Even though behind the scenes, we had this idea of a solution where we would network with farmers, food producing businesses and farmers markets, and then build an online farmers market model, similar to like if you were to shop Amazon or a grocery store online ahead of time, add farm food and food produced items to your cart. And then today you enjoy an express pickup at a local farmer's market. So it gives you the opportunity to see uh, what farmers are there, what food that they're growing, what's harvesting. You can buy it ahead of time and allow yourself um, some convenience, but still enjoy local food. And so we lifted that last year, ran it for the first time for six months, expanded to 22 markets across uh, Michigan, and we're supporting up to 65 farms and businesses. And it's just incredible that we were able to do that with a small team and a small window. Um, also considering that we spent a lot of time in the community trying to build up the knowledge base to do so. But the, yeah. the one fascinating thing is we actually learned that our customer was the farmer. We would sit back and they would say, I need help with restaurant contracts or I need help with uh, digital content, social media. I need help with um, learning how to teach my farmhands to go to a market and be relational with people and, and teach about the farm and the food. I need help with websites. And so behind the scenes, we were doing all of these things. And so the future of Farm Bridge, and we actually have a call for our design and prototype of our brand new platform today will be this universe of resources to help the uh, farmer build a sustainable business, all the way from applying lean principles to run a lean farm, all, all the way up to um, running a operating farm that generates profit and is highly marketed in the most thoughtful way on Instagram and Twitter and, and all those uh, different social media platforms. Wow, that's that's really awesome. So basically... <laughs> You guys created like like an online store where you can buy produce online and then go pick it up later at the at the farmers market. Yeah, yeah, and then in the future we are considering a uh, delivery route. And so, if you're familiar with like a shipped uh, type of delivery service, we're thinking through what that looks like to basically have somebody uh, shop a farmers market. Let's say they lead a busy life with their kids or they have a lot going on, they could shop our platform ahead of time and then have a ship driver go to the market grab their farm food for them and deliver it to their location. Wow, that's a pretty cool idea. And so when you started this company, like, did you see success right away or were there bumps along this whole road and stuff? Oh, we had tons of failures. <laughs> so, we, I mean, I didn't understand. I knew what I wanted to uh, create, but I didn't understand how it would work. And so when you build a platform like that, logistically wise, it all has to make sense from having a, a consumer go on and understand how to use the platform to understand that they need to go to the market and where they should go to pick up their goods to communication with the farmer or food producer on when it's purchased and to have it ready. And 
to assume that all those things are, are understood uh, would be just negligible. And it yeah. was. I mean, we had so many bumps where there was a customer that said, I don't know what happened. I thought I chopped it right at my car and it didn't work. Or I showed up and I didn't know where to, to go to get my goods. Or we even had instances where the farmer food producer didn't get the email notification that a purchase was made and didn't have it ready. And luckily they had the item at the market so they can kind of scramble it together for the customer. Um, but we had all of those growing pains. Um, and then because we were trying to do too much, we were trying to help farmers out the same aspect. Um, it, it just, it, it became this, uh, outscaled platform that we should have just focused on one market and a handful of farmers to get it right. And instead it just kind of ballooned out because of all the interest. And we just kept saying yes. And so we got as, as it went on, we got smarter about, about saying no and learning and um, building in a process where we could iterate and become a better platform, a better company uh, and focus on the right customer. And so we're, we're making a lot of those changes right now as we, launch into this year yeah well i mean it seems like it's working out for you so i mean that's awesome but um so yeah i love how you said it didn't really work out in the beginning and most of the people that i've actually had on my podcast say the same thing when they start a business like it's never really successful when you first start out but maybe two or three years later down the road it will be successful and during that road you know you just got to keep your head down you got to stay determined and know what your purpose is and you guys definitely have a strong purpose in what you want to do so I mean, that's just awesome. And so being a CEO of a company, I mean, you didn't, you didn't, you got a finance degree in college. You didn't get like a business degree or anything. So how did you learn to actually become a CEO and get those skills needed to do what you want to do with your business? Yeah, a piece of it came while I was working in the corporate world. Um, I had the opportunity to lead a culture program. So I helped build a recognition program, a work-life integration program, and a talent development program for a $2 billion company. And being in that wow. position kind of helped me build the leadership and coaching skills that I needed, as well as influencing and relationships. And so that kind of helped me leverage that. Uh, but I'll tell you that the best resource is as soon as you open up your mind to leveraging other people, uh, is when it gets good because I would go out in the community with this mind that I know nothing and I and I do most of the time <laughs> and I find the people that do and I just I learn from them and I learn from them as quickly as I can and sometimes the best wow, way to yeah. learn is insert yourself in a position where you kind of help them like maybe you do something for them or you um, attend something that you wouldn't normally attend and then instead of trying to share all the cool things that you believe you want to share with other people, you just sit back and you listen. And so I yeah. spent a lot of time learning from others, leveraging other expertise. And now I'm in a point where I'm attending the university that I, that I went to college at and I'm doing mentoring sessions for entrepreneur programs um, for college students. And I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still sitting back and listening on how they're developing their business because there's always something I can learn too. Yeah, yeah, and every business is technically different from another one, so there's always something to learn. And so when you leverage people, obviously these people were willing to help you, but in my experience, like most people that I've asked and stuff, like, you know, sometimes they don't always wanna help you and stuff like that, so how did you actually get these people to help you and help you grow your business? 
Yeah, I think it comes with the right questions and leading with that it's mostly about them. And what I mean by that is most of the time when we reach out to somebody that intrigues us or we think we can learn from, selfishly, we're thinking about how we can grab as much from them as we can and learn. And if we all appreciate time, which we should, then we should know that whether they say no or not is probably an indication that they're respecting their time and they're trying to figure out what that looks like in their day. And it should be more about, all right, I really want to do learn, learn from this person, but maybe I should try to build trust first. So then reach out and just say, hey, I admire your work. Uh, would love an opportunity to just help out. I noticed that you do X or maybe because of my network, can I connect you with a couple of people that I think would help you with your business? And all of a sudden you start to build in this trust and relationship with them where you're not actually asking them to coach you or give you advice. You're actually supplying them value. And then in return, they feel like, all right, I I really like, I like the trust in this relationship. I can see that it's going to be reciprocal and worth my time. So then I'm going to put in the effort to help them. Right. And do you always do this stuff over social media or just in person? I try to do in person as much as possible, um, I, but you know, maximizing time sometimes it's it's easier to do over the phone or through social media. But most relationships in influential people I'm trying to learn from the most from, I will try to get them at least to do a 15, 30 minute um, coffee meetup or something uh, in a local local area here where I live. Otherwise, yeah. if if it's a phone call. I try to be really intent about offering them value and um, keeping it short as far as things that I want to say, because I don't want them to get the feeling that I'm starting to steal their time. Right, right. And you're obviously very busy because you, you run this business and you also give speeches to the high schoolers and colleges and stuff like that. So what makes you want to go to high schools and give speeches to teens and stuff? I don't want them to get to the place that I was. And, you know, working in a corporate office for 10 years, you walk around, you see people with their heads down and walking in and hating what they do and talking about hating what they do and talking about how it's almost five o'clock. And it, I mean, there are so many studies out there about how people are so unhappy. And so what I wanted to do was just give back. I wanted to go in and, I believe that if we can help people understand this younger, then they could learn to get to where they want to be faster than what we did because I kind of fumbled through that. And one perspective I share too, and we haven't really touched on this yet, is um, over like the last six months, I decided that I was going to start being a little bit more vulnerable and sharing my story of being bullied. And so I grew up in elementary schools Uh, being bullied all my life where school was an unsafe place for me. And the reason that that was, I was, I was born with two lazy eyes. So I had to wear glasses to see. And nowadays, like you have the cool companies like Warby Parker and all that, but back then like glasses weren't cool. And so I had moments where I would have bullies take my glasses, stomp on them and everything. And I couldn't see, and I would go home and what I share with students. And the reason that I talk about that is Yes, bullying is an important thing to talk about, but I try to share the perspective of asking better questions and 
what leading a life of being a bully or being bullied will look like to you in your career because I was a decent athlete, which helped me kind of get through things. But to feel like I wasn't going to accept any pain every day, I would lead a life of, of validation where I would do things that other people wanted me to do, wear the same clothes, listen to the same music, um, go to the same events or whatever. And then I would carry that on, those habits, I would carry that on into the college of doing things that all my college friends wanted to do, you know, believing in what they want to do, believing in a career path that they want to do, go into a corporate office, do finance because somebody told me I was good at math. And so I try to share like what you do now, even as like a seventh grade student, matters and it helps shape the way that you're going to lead the rest of your life and if i could help you figure out how to find that why and not do that to yourself then then leading your life will be powerful when you get to, to my age yeah i agree and conformity can be so dangerous in my opinion because like you said like so many people they just they don't want to be different when they're in high school and stuff like that so they try to just fit in to do what everyone else is doing but that's not how life works and not everyone is the same. So you can't really just continually be doing what other people are doing. And I like to use this analogy, like like not everyone can do what everyone else can do. So if you're like a fish, you can't ask a fish to climb a tree. It's just not going to work. And then if you do, the fish is going to feel stupid its whole life. But in reality, the fish is really good at swimming. So, I mean, everyone has that niche or something that they're really good at doing. And I think that they just have to find it and not conform to what other people want them to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I had I had somebody ask me about why they feel to the need to do that, you know, and like so in my 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 learning would be at that age, um, we're trying to learn as much as we can, and sometimes the people that we learn from shape that that opinion or shape that that uh, feeling that we have in ourselves, and so because yeah. I, I try to be mindful that like today, the reason that. I am able to continue to grow in the space that I want and do things that I love. I also surround my, pe- my myself with those type of people too. And when you're in middle school or even high school, like it can be difficult to find people that are doing that unless you have parents that are pushing you to do that. You, you know, you have entrepreneur parents or you have parents that are constantly telling you to grow and all that, which is great. But if you don't have that, then you're going to lean on what's next to you. And so how could we soon help those type of people? And I'm hoping speaking in schools will will at least lend a a hand or an ear to to those type of students. Yeah. And you're definitely living proof that shows that conforming is not really the best thing to do because you switched lanes in your life and now you're really happy with what you're doing right now. And that's great. But like during your college career, like you said, you were told that you were good at math. You just went into finance and stuff like that. But you learn later to just do what you want to do because you only have one life, which is awesome. And so when you when you were in high school and stuff, how did you learn to overcome the bullies and stuff that were picking on you? Because I know a lot of kids, they do get bullied in school and stuff like that. So I think it'd be nice if they had some advice of like how to actually overcome that. Yeah. So what I share is, and I think what's what's unique in schools is the perspective of bullying in that the bully and the person being bullied come from the same place. And what I mean by that is both of them probably come with a certain sense of insecurities. And back then at a young age, and I could maybe credit my parents for doing this too, is I was able to ask better questions and reflect on myself where 
the story I share in schools is I had a bully in elementary school that I ended up dating in high school. And most of those things would never happen because if you are bullied to a certain point, you start to build anger and aggression or separation from those type of people. And even at that age, I was trying to understand. And so the reason that I ended up dating her was because I truly felt like she was a good person. And when I, what I soon would, would find out is that she had a home life that was uh, very hard for her. She had a father that was um, verbally abusive and she felt completely unsafe at home. And her way to, to rationalize that was to come into schools and make herself feel better. And so to yeah. ask better questions, you might find out that the people that are bullying you probably are in the same place as you, which is, are you insecure because of the way you look and feel and, and act? Or are you insecure because of the way that you feel at home and the insecurity of not being safe and how those two things are, are really aligned? Yeah. Yeah. And another thing is, like, like you said, like you, you grew up not wanting to be an entrepreneur, but now you are an entrepreneur. And so I'm just curious, like, how can people know, like, whether or not college is for them and if they should just become an entrepreneur and stuff like that? Because obviously, it's not for everyone. And sometimes the corporate job is the best place that a person wants to go to. But I think more times than not, some people do want to be an entrepreneur, and they're too scared to actually move on that on that gut feeling that they want to start their own business. So so I guess what I'm asking is how can people know if they should be an entrepreneur or not? Yeah. And I would, I would say that we're all entrepreneurs uh, at some point, whether you live in a corporate job or not, I would just, what I try to caution kids about is don't, don't find yourself in a box. Like if you go off into a corporate world and you're working a nine to five, but you're doing something that you love and you're doing it on your own time, meaning Maybe the confines of a nine to five exist, but you get to get up in the morning and take your kids to school. You can leave the office when you want and go work out for a little bit and come back and spend some time on yourself, maybe doing writing or meditation, but then do your work for the, for the corporate world. That sounds like mm -hmm. an opportunity of entrepreneurship within a confined uh, corporate world mentality. Uh, but don't find yourself getting up every day and doing what other people tell you to do and then feeling scared to lead a life that is where you truly want to be. Like if you want to spend more time with your kids and you constantly have to question yourself on whether you ask for that time, then you're probably in the wrong place because life is not about always asking people for, for, for approvals and everything. Life is about doing the absolute best that you can at that thing that you value the most because when you do that is when you truly offer of something of great value to others. And so whether that's building and creating something of your own or whether it's doing it on a business that somebody else already created, you can't forget yourself because if, if you're doing your best self, then you're doing your best work. Yeah, I agree with that. But, um, you know, people in the corporate world, they obviously have a salary and stuff like that. So they have that definite income coming in. And when they jump over to the entrepreneur side of things, you know, they don't really have that definite salary and they still have to do the whole startup stage, which can take a lot of money to actually get started. Yeah. And, and it might not even work once you get past that startup stage. And it's honestly a lot of risk. So I, I kind of yeah. feel that those people, they're kind of too scared to do that transition because, you know, they don't want to leave their family with no income coming in or stuff like that. And then they'll be without an actual corporate job that does give them a salary. So, I mean, it's kind of a tough decision, but 
how can people learn to just deal with the risk and end up taking the entrepreneurial side of things? Yeah, and I, I like to think of this as giving yourself options because to think that doing a, a job at an office or uh, creating a business are the only sources of revenue is not true. And so what I like to caution people is like, if you would love to jump into entrepreneurship, but you need the financial security and I mean, let's be honest, healthcare is outrageous these days. So if those two things yeah. are holding you back, think about what it would like to do, what, what you would love to do on a small scale. Like I work in a corporate office today. I have thoughts of being an entrepreneurship and creating something. I'm going to just take a piece and create it and spend a few hours a week on growing it and to see where it'll go and start from there. Because most of the time we think about entrepreneurship is like, I'm going to just, I'm going to create a business and I got to make all this money and I need it to be successful. And I start thinking like this huge scale. And some people are fortunate enough to create something and it just massively explodes. But most people build on things for years. And so to get to that point, start building small now and see what that feels like. And then when you build that up, then to start to think about how you would shift that a little bit in, in your, your corporate job or whatever you want, wherever you're working today and go from there and try to try to try to, to compartmentalize it into these little pockets of where you want to be, I guess right. would be the best and way. Would, and would you recommend for these people to start small and keep their corporate job like as they have it or just completely quit the corporate job and still start small? I don't know. I know there's a different opinion on this one. This question gets asked a lot about from a lot of people and some people will tell you to just dive right in and quit the corporate job. That way you'll light the fire. But uh, yeah. I believe in if if financial security is a concern for you and you were to quit a job today that you're making a good enough income to support you, your family or whatever, and take a huge risk and dive into something of unknown and you're not okay with that, then I would say stick with the corporate job and start small. And because if you wake up every day with financial stress, I don't know anybody that's able to operate to their best ability, be the most productive, makes smart, um, thoughtful decisions when they constantly have to worry about paying the bills every day. And so if you are afforded an opportunity to keep that job and then slowly launch into something, I would absolutely do it. Right. Yeah. And I, I actually agree with that because I do think there's a thing called calculated risk, which, um, basically, so there is risk, but you don't want to have it so lopsided that if it doesn't fail, like you're completely just done like financially and stuff like that. And so I think you got to take in factor the uh, calculated risk and see what the pros and cons are of doing each decision in your life as an entrepreneur. And so since you're like a CEO and stuff, what would be like your number one tip for people that want to start their own business? Got to take care of yourself. Um, the... And I think that's true for anything in life, but especially with creating a business and, and running it yourself and everything, um, what's most importantly is you. And so I, I learned this the hard way. I, I still struggle with it too, but like sleep is something that I rarely ever do. And I beat myself up about it, but 
the one thing that I have started doing intently, no matter what, is I feed my body the right food. Um, yeah. I work out at the gym. I do hot yoga. Um, I meditate. I practice gratitude. And at the end of the day, I feel like I am personally in the right state to be able to do anything. And, and in moments where I'm not, um, and I have three kids too. So there are moments when I get high stress with kids and all that. And in those moments, I notice that I'm not myself and I can't get any valuable work done. And so I try to be, I try to take care of myself first and then everything else, uh, will come in line. Right. And for me, um, like these things, these three things, like I think lead me to happiness. And for me, it's faith. Um, Faith, uh, what, what is it? Faith, health, wealth, and for me, like, like, like you said, like you have to have the health because if you don't have the health, no matter how much money you have, you're still gonna be unhappy. And if you die because of your health, like, it's just it's your own fault. And health can be controlled, which is another great thing. And people can really just take advantage of that because, you know, no matter how much money you have. If your health is bad, then you're not going to be happy in your life. And that's exactly what you said, basically. You just got to take control of your health first, and then other things should come after that. But health should definitely be a priority in life, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I wrote an article about um, short-term outcomes versus long-term outcomes because we often live our days thinking about uh, what is the, the most close outcome to where we are today. And it's never mm -hmm. about where we will be in the future. And if we could just prioritize our today to our future, then we would care, I think, a lot more about these things. Care about the food that we're eating, what's in the food that we're eating. We care about getting up and working out and sleeping and all that. Because if you thought about the, the future you, you want to be the somebody that's vibrant and in a position that when you have all these skill sets and practices and, and network built up, that you're able to execute on that and not be in a place where you're concerned about your health, your, your mental capacity and, and that type of thing. And I think that's easier said than done, but if we could do that now, it would be powerful. Right. And you're in the food industry. So I honestly, I want to know what your opinion is on this because you obviously know what is healthy and what is not healthy. So for most people <laughs> in their lives, like how bad is the most of the food that we eat and stuff from like the grocery store? Oh man. Uh, this is a loaded question, Will. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I mean, so just last Friday, I was talking at a middle school and uh, agriculture is always a fascinating topic. And when I share that, like an apple in a grocery store, let's call it a large scale, large scale grocery store in Michigan, we have Myers, there's Walmarts all over the country, but you buy an apple and you don't think about like that apple probably came from China and was probably sitting there potentially for a week or so. And do you have any concerns on what nutritional value that has? And so that's talking about even fruit. And then you start to think about what's in cores and all the, and I'm writing an article about this on LinkedIn today, which is about food dyes and how we don't really understand what colors our food and that 46 to 50% of, of food items in a store have, um, processed chemicals and food dyes in them and what that wow. does when it's linked to behavioral issues of ADHD and why kids can't focus. And they're slowly doing research to find out if it's linked to cancer. 
And we just don't think about that. You know, we grab a, a bag of Doritos and it tastes good. And we might know that chips aren't great for us if we consume a lot of them. But what we aren't aren't seeing is the coloration that went into turning a Dorito yellow or red when the natural state of that chip was probably white. Um, yeah. And so I try to share that as much as with as I can. But our mission is to inspire people to pr- predominantly buy local because and the best, the best uh, advice I can or, or information I can give is uh, David Sinclair wrote a book called Lifespan. And in Lifespan, he talks about eating food that's close to you in a stress environment because it has high voltage. And high voltage meaning that since that plant was grown in the soils that you live in, in and around and was stressed in a natural environment of weather, that your body gets the energy from it that it, that it needs. And people that eat that food can see the potential power of leading their days feeling truly energized and healthy and happy. Wow. And I, I did not realize that close to 50% of the foods in grocery stores have dye and stuff. And that's kind of messed up. But um, thanks for sharing that. Uh, there's so, a, there's a, so it's crazy. I, uh, I take my kids sometimes to a YMCA to do some swimming. And when we get out, we rinse off the chlorine and the soap that you take a shower with to rinse off at the gym has yellow five and red 40 in it. And so we often think about the foods we consume that have it, but all the uh, toiletries and everything that we use on a day-to-day basis also have that. And our body absorbs that topically. Jeez, that's just, that's not right. And I definitely think that that's linked to other things, like you said, like ADHD and stuff like that. So I'm excited for your LinkedIn article to come out. I'll, I'm definitely going to read that. But um, so before we run out of time, is there anything else you would like to say? Um, thank you, Will. I really appreciate um, you having me on here. I also am incredibly pressed that you uh, have this podcast and all the great things that you're doing in high school. It's truly inspirational, man. I'm going to make sure I share your message with people. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys, there you go. Troy Rice, thank you so much for joining me this morning and giving me your input. Thank you, well. Hey, no way that we go is a